This is Therapy With Me. I'm a licensed psychotherapist in search of human connection. And this podcast is my space to share insights, tips, and meaningful conversations on how to live and build a beautiful life. Sometimes we take life too seriously and miss out on the good stuff. Transitioning into different seasons can feel lonely, but I hope to support and guide you on your journey to wellness. So without further ado, let the session begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Therapy with me. I hope you all have been doing well wherever you are in the world. Happy Mental Health Awareness and AAPI Heritage Month. I am very excited to be here to catch up and share what's been on my mind and talk about things that I have been up to. The first order of business is addressing my hiatus for the month of April. To be honest, it was not an intentional break. It began with me being sick, and while it sounds incredibly generic, I was a very busy bee. Like April was insane. I don't know about you guys, but I started to feel so burnt out and uninspired to put out another episode just for the sake of it. And as the weeks passed on, I noticed some internal pressure which made me revisit and recommit to my goal from earlier this year of only creating meaningful content and seeing this as a fun project rather than a chore or task on my to-do list. Having that said, it's also been a really eye-opening and transitional time period for me, which was something I was not anticipating. So continuing that theme of slow living, of embracing mindfulness, inviting stillness. I was met with a lot of pressure related to my past, my self-concept, and how I saw myself now. Compared to who I was a year ago, five years ago, I have changed so much for the better, but there was a huge disconnect in my identity that I wanted to embrace versus who I believed that I was. It sounds confusing, but essentially I was embodying the person who I wanted to become with the mindset and story of a wounded self. So you can kind of see the dichotomy that exists here. And in my therapeutic practice, I would consider my style to be pretty eclectic, but I do a lot of psychodynamic work with my clients where we do a deep dive into our past to uncover the truth and challenge negative core beliefs or narratives that we tell ourselves by exploring the unconscious that is being manifested in and through our behaviors. So some ways that this can be achieved is through inner child work or inner child healing. If you are familiar with the health and wellness space, I'm sure you have probably heard of this before. Nonetheless, I personally believe that there's a lot of value in this approach because within this process, you learn how to address your needs that haven't been met as a child and heal that attachment wounds that you have developed over time into adulthood. And the way that I guide my clients through this is either through meditation, active questioning, or visualization, but I would often offer therapy homework in the form of journaling prompts 
to practice listening to their internal dialogue with loving kindness. And the objective is twofold. Firstly, it's to strengthen self-trust and intuition. Secondly, it's to practice authenticity. I know some of you may be cringing or rolling your eyes as you hear the word authenticity, which I completely understand because of the way that it's been thrown around these days. It can, can, it can come off as an overused buzzword, but the way that I'm defining it has sacredness and intention to describe the congruence of your values and desires to live your life despite the various pressures of social conformity. And when I was sitting down in the mornings to do my own journaling practice with this inner child's work and reflecting on past entries, this is where I saw that cognitive dissonance. Were my actions in congruence with my values and belief systems? On the surface, maybe, but the truth was I was still hurt in many ways that I haven't fully processed and let go. I've talked about aligned action in a previous episode. However, what is important is revisiting this question more consistently because I had more work to do and go through. I was actually holding on to hurt because I wanted to validate my childhood experience and I didn't want to let go because it was the basis and foundation of who I thought I was And I feel like I can't really fully describe this process without sharing my origin story. So I'll share that with you guys and how it all started. At the age of three, my father left my mom and me and never looked back. And at that time, I was often displaced between two states because I had inconsistent childcare. There was a lot of uncertainty where I would eventually end up. And so as a single mom in a new country with very limited English, with her own host of mental health issues, she really didn't have the capacity to give me the emotional nurturance that I needed at that time because she was focused on survival. And I don't blame her. Um, But as a kid, as a child, you aren't able to fully understand that or conceptualize the set of circumstances. And then as time went on, I started to develop this belief that I was unlovable and that I shouldn't let people get too close because they'll eventually leave me. While this was going on though, I was really fortunate to have amazing grandparents, aunts, and uncles that would take turns caring for me when my mom couldn't. And in my case, it really did take a village to raise a child. And with much therapy and inner work, I can confidently say that I wouldn't change a thing about my childhood because I wouldn't have been the person I am today. I don't think I wouldn't have been as patient, open-minded, resilient, or inquisitive Like one of my fondest memories was actually when my mom and I were probably at our lowest struggling and living in a one bedroom apartment with eight other people. Like legit, it was like little Saigon in there, but it was so much fun, so much life, community, 
and kinship that brings a smile to my face every single time I think back onto it. I am so grateful for their sacrifices in love, which has been an integral part of my process of reframing those negative beliefs because they no longer resonate with the current reality that I am living in. What is necessary, though, is that very conscious reframe. For my conscious and unconscious to meet, to be on the same page, and sort out the ambivalence that would come up for me when I felt most vulnerable. I needed to come up with examples of where love has shown up in my life to affirm that new belief that I wanted to adopt that would prove that I was lovable and capable, that I was deserving of good things. It has been shown by my family, my partner, my close friends, my neighbors, my teachers and mentors, and even strangers who demonstrate so much kindness. As I was collecting more and more evidence of how prevalent it's been in my life, I was able to slowly let go of the negative core belief. Now looking at this through a psychological lens, you can see the formation of having an anxious attachment style. And because of this, I have experienced fears of rejection, abandonment, jealousy, feelings of unworthiness, people-pleasing, and many other issues during my adolescence and adulthood. But I want you to know that it is possible to form a secure attachment despite our initial upbringing. When we choose to heal, to choose better, believe in a better future, we also give ourselves permission to nurture the idea of hope and healing. Obviously, it doesn't happen overnight, but with consistent practice and self-reflection, you'll start seeing yourself and the world differently because the energy or meaning that we've given towards that will eventually wane. From a cultural perspective, I had to be more mindful to honor the emotional nurturance and love that I was receiving from my family. As Vietnamese immigrants, our love is demonstrated through action and ritual, not really words. In an interview with Krista Tippett of On Being, um, author Ocean Vu, who wrote On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous, talks about this in great detail. When I was listening, I felt so seen by his words and ability to describe my experience with such reverence. And it brought home this idea that I was indeed loved, but just not how I envisioned or wish I had, that I was not absent from it. And to me, that was incredibly powerful. If you're interested in listening to that interview, I'll link it down in the show notes. But if it resonates, I want you to take a pause here and think about that for a moment and ask yourself, where has love shown up for me? Maybe it's not in the way that we hoped or preferred, but there was a presence of love. Was it through acts of service or quality time? In what ways did you feel loved or cared for? I'd even invite and encourage you to expand 
and write about this in your journal because it may even give you insight and just how you've been communicating and receiving that in other types of relationships. Another thing that I've been wrestling with is being in flux. I haven't been doing a great job of embracing that. Just when I feel like things are going well, that I got into the groove of things, something would happen and all of a sudden I'm back at square one. But it's been really nice going back to the concept of radical self-acceptance. Even though it's not how I thought things would turn out, I am actively choosing to accept this, how accept everything as it is and how things are, accepting the fact that I may not be experiencing stability in the way that I envisioned at my age, and that's okay. It's a practice of fully embracing the good and the bad without judging ourselves for experiencing it. It's an old Buddhist concept and principle related to one's attachment to pain and suffering, but it's allowing me to not push myself to forcefully alter my circumstances to fit an expectation. And I hope to talk about this more to normalize this because we're always going to experience fluctuations in life, even if we supposedly know more and know what to do. I don't think that it's helpful that we should feel guilty for it. But on to more exciting things and less serious things that have been happening are small renovations and projects that are being done at my house. I've been quite stressed with finding time to make things happen now that summer is around the corner, but the sunshine and warmth do a lot for my soul where I feel like everything and anything is possible. And I even started gardening, like I went full out with getting lights, lamps, and a heat mat to start from seed. I'm proud to say that they've all been successful seedlings. I'm extra excited about my poblano peppers and heirloom tomatoes because I love, love, love making Mexican food. But the next step is bringing them outside and not letting the cute rabbits and squirrels get to them before I do. And it's a real struggle over here because I feel like I live in a hot spot where there are a lot of animal friends. Nevertheless, I have been finding a lot of joy in gardening and learning more about plants, which brings me back to my botany, botany days. But that's all I have for today. I feel like it got really personal, but I hope that some of you could connect to my story and find some insight to inspire your own journey of healing. And I hope to model that type of vulnerability so we can feel less alone in the world. And if you are in need of a break, please take one and don't feel guilty. Thank you so much for your listenership over the past few months, even when I was away. Seeing those numbers grow makes my heart so happy, and I am incredibly grateful for all of you. Bye for now, and I'll see you guys on the other side.